out today. Good to see you on this uh, close to 4th of July weekend. Man, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, God bless you for coming. The Bible tells us that God inhabits the praise of His people. So when we praise Him, He's here, you know? And uh, I believe He's here today because we have praised His name. Why wouldn't He be? This is His house, His day. We are His people, and today we're in His presence. I, I pray that we would hear from God as He speaks to us individually as a church, but also as a nation. Heavenly Father, would you please speak to hearts today as only you can. Lord, as I try to speak on the outside, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Change us, dear Lord. Make us into the people that you have called us to be, and we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Some of you may remember the day in 2003 when the news broke that the cruel dictator of Iraq, Saddam Hussein, had been captured after he had been on the run for some nine months. It was a pitiful picture when American troops pulled him out of the hole that he had been hiding in. This man, who was once so proud of his stature and appearance, literally looked like a rat when they pulled him out of that hole. For 24 years, Saddam Hussein had ruled Iraq with an iron fist. His secret police terrorized the public. While Saddam lived in great wealth with over 20 palaces to his name, his people lived in abject poverty. Iraq had become one of the most powerful and feared nations in the Middle East. But he went too far when he invaded the tiny nation of Kuwait. The rest of the world rose up and resisted him in what was called the First Gulf War, which really was the beginning of the end for Saddam Hussein and his powerful kingdom. You know, that, that is just but one illustration that shows us how nations and leaders can rise to both power and wealth only to be crumbled into oblivion. And you know what? History is filled with many examples of that. I think of ancient Rome. I think of Nazi Germany, the Soviet Union. And some of us might point to human factors that contributed both to the rise and to the fall of those nations. But for those of us who read and believe the Bible, we understand that it is God and God alone who raises up nations and then has the ability to bring down nations. No matter how powerful they are. He is Lord over the nations. In fact, the prophet Isaiah tells us that God has the power to do whatever he wants to do with the nations of the world. And even though it's not our text that we're going to examine, let me read to you Jeremiah chapter 18, beginning in verse 7. Jeremiah 18, verse 7. God says, The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom, to pluck up, to pull down, and to destroy it. If that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil... I will relent of their disaster that I have thought to bring upon it. And the instant I speak concerning a nation 
and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it, if it does evil in my sight so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good with which I said I would benefit it. So understand what God is saying. If there is a nation and because of their evilness and because of their wickedness, God says he's going to destroy that nation. But if they repent of their evilness, if they repent and turn to God, God says in that case, I will relent of the evil I intended for them and I will save them. What about Jonah and Nineveh? It happened. On the other hand, God said, if I decide to establish a nation and bless a nation and build a nation, but they turn their back on me and they begin to sin, I will destroy that nation. Why? Because he is God of the nations. And our God will not be mocked. And all of this is playing out in Judah, which is the remnant of the old nation Israel, as the prophet Jeremiah enters the scene. Today we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 6. God uses Jeremiah to announce his plans for Judah. And listen to me, church, this is an urgent life and death message. The Lord has positioned a nation just to the north of Judah, ready to sweep down on both Judah and Jerusalem, bringing death and destruction. So here is what God says in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 1. Flee for safety, people of Benjamin. Flee from Jerusalem. Sound the trumpet in Tekoa. Raise the signal over Beth Hakarim. For disaster looms out of the north, even terrible destruction. So God is about to destroy his nation, Israel, the people of Judah, those who inhabit Jerusalem. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, how could the Lord do that? I mean, he's going to destroy his own people? This is the nation that God established and called to be his own out of all the nations of the earth. This is the nation that the Lord abundantly blessed so that they could be a blessing to the other nations and bring them the name of God. Now they are the ridicule of the nations of the world and they are a reproach to Almighty God. You see, here's the issue. Israel had a heart problem. Jeremiah tells us about that in Jeremiah 32, 33. He said, they turned their backs to me and not their faces. Though I taught them again and again, they would not listen, nor would they respond to discipline. So with their faces now turned to sinful idols and their backs turned to the Lord, they no longer listen to the voice of Almighty God. That brings us back to Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 10. To whom can I speak and give warning? Who will listen to me? Their ears are closed so they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them. They find no pleasure in it. So, 
the God-appointed leaders, the prophets and the priests no longer proclaim to the people the word of the Lord. And the people no longer wanted to listen to the word of the Lord. Rather than being their guiding light, the word of God had become offensive to them. They took offense to the word of God. And they closed their ears to God's word. Welcome to America. 2018. It's what's happened in our country. That's what is happening in our nation. Would you let me show you what this looks like today on a secular political level? Okay, I will. <laughs> About a year ago, there was a Senate confirmation hearing that was held for Russell Vaught. He was President Trump's nominee for a position in the Office of Management and Budget. Russell Vaught happens to be a devout believer who holds firmly to the Word of God and he unapologetically proclaims that there is only one way to heaven. There is only one way to salvation. That you can only be saved through the blood of God's Son, Jesus Christ. Isn't that what we believe, church? While there are many roads that lead to Jesus, there's only one way to heaven. And that is Jesus Christ himself. So you know what? Uh, as a citizen and a preacher and a Christian, I thank God that he places people like that in public office. And, and I'm thankful that, that Russell Vaught has the courage to stand up for what is true. But, but let me go back to the confirmation hearings of a year ago. Senator Bernie Sanders, who is an avowed socialist and unbeliever, chastised Vaught for having what he called a narrow view of salvation. Sanders called it discriminatory and an insult to people who don't believe that Jesus Christ is the only way. So, here's where we live. Everyone has a right to their beliefs except for people who follow Jesus and the Bible. This is what's happening in America today. This is the climate we live in. We live in a world who pushes tolerance down our throats. Our children are taught it from grade school. You be tolerant. You accept the beliefs of others. And while that is all in good, when it comes to be tolerant to Christians, those who tout tolerance are intolerant. Literally what they are doing and saying is, you can believe anything you want to believe except the Bible and except Christianity because it is too narrow. Let me take you back to Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 10. The word of the Lord is offensive to many, and they find no pleasure in it. And you know what? I, I can understand why they don't find pleasure in it. Word of God is tough. It's hard. Is it exclusive? You better believe it is. Only Christians are going to heaven. 
And the only way to become a Christian is through the blood of Jesus Christ. But remember, church, this passage was not addressed to pagan nations. This passage was addressed to God's people who had lost their way. They have no place for and find no pleasure in the word of the Lord. And we can look down our noses all day long at people like Bernie Sanders and at the same time we can close our own ears to the word of God by not reading the word of God or studying our Bibles and by taking no pleasure in the proclamation of the truth of the scripture or by hearing the word of God but not obeying what the scriptures say. Amen. And it goes on. Look at verse 16 of Jeremiah chapter 6. Are they ashamed of their loathsome, loathsome conduct? No, God says. They have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen. They will be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. Again, understand, church, he's not talking about the pagan nations here. He's talking about his own covenant people with whom he has redeemed by his mighty power and called to be his own people. He is saying about his people, they have turned their back on me, they don't serve me anymore, and they have absolutely no shame in their life for their conduct. In fact, they have forgotten how to blush. And that caused me to ask myself the question, Will, what have you allowed into your mind and into your life and into your home that would before have made you blush. And you know what? I asked myself that question and I was ashamed, so I'm going to have to ask you the question. What is it that you have allowed into your life, into your heart, and into your home that just a few years ago would have made you blush? But because we're not walking with God, it no longer even shames us. Jeremiah has been called to be faithful to God in a nation and in a culture that was under the judgment of God and headed for destruction. You and I are really in the same position. We are called to be faithful to God in a culture that is clearly under the judgment of God. And so what message is there? For our world today. What message does God want us to hear? It's my key verse, Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. I told the first service, I've been preaching now for, uh, I guess, probably 46 years. Yet I have never preached from Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. And this past week, this one verse has now become one of my favorite verses. I read it out of the NIV, and here's what this verse says. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. And then walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. 
So here is a nation at the crossroads. The image here is of travelers who have lost their way on a journey and they need to find out how to get back on the right road. And that can happen to all of us in this room. We can all lose our way. We can all get sidetracked. We can all take a wrong turn in life and go down the wrong road. So what does the Lord have to say to people who are at the crossroads? There are five commands in verse 16, and they show us how to get back on God's road, the right road. So write these down. These five commands, they're for us today. They're very simple, one-word commands. The first is stand. Look at Jeremiah 6, 16. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads. Don't just keep walking in the wrong direction. Don't just keep going the way you've been going. Don't take the wrong road. You just stop and stand still. So say stand with me on three. One, two, three. Stand. That's the first command. We are to stop and to stand still. Now, I can remember more than once being on a trip, either by myself or with the family, and uh, watching the gas gauge get lower and lower and realizing that I need to stop for gasoline. So here we are driving through this town, or I'm going down the interstate, and here are some exits for gas stations, but I don't stop at the first station. Why? Because it's on the wrong side of the interstate. And I think, oh, there's going to be another one down the road, and it's going to be better than this one, cleaner than this one, nicer than this one, and I just keep going. Who am I talking to today? I'm talking to the guys, aren't I? I don't know what it is that makes us play that game, guys. I guess it's just it's a guy game. And the next thing I know, I'm 10 miles out of town, and I haven't stopped. And I'm in trouble. I'm in real trouble, especially if there is somebody in the car who needed to go to the bathroom. Here's the point I'm trying to make. If you're going the wrong way today, if you've taken the wrong road, if you've lost your way, would you please just stop? Stop the destructive habits that you've started. Stop traveling down the road that is taking you to hell. Stop and stand. Number two, look. Verse 16, stand at the crossroads and look. The word look doesn't mean to just look at something. It means to look and literally see what you're looking at. Understand what you're seeing. I got a couple of confessions to make this morning. I have to confess that, that I have this blindness about looking and not seeing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I go to the refrigerator to get a jar of mayonnaise for this sandwich that I'm building. And I open the door and I'm looking in it and I have to admit when I open that door there, there, of the refrigerator, there's just something in my brain that shuts down. 
And so I'm looking for the jar of mayonnaise, and I, I, I believe we have some in there, but I'm not seeing it. And, and, and so Angie is in the other room, and I say to her, Angie, don't we have any mayonnaise? And from the other room, in this kind of disgustful, hateful voice, <laughs> I hear, third shelf, middle. And so I'm looking on the third shelf right in the middle, and I don't see no stinking mayonnaise. And the next thing I know, through my mumbling and grumbling, she's standing next to me. She reaches in, pulls out the jar of mayonnaise, and sticks it in my face. Is this just a guy thing? So listen to me. I'm going to reel you back in. When you're at the crossroads and you've lost your way, you need to stop and you need to look. You need to take stock of your life. You need to understand what's really going on on the inside. You need to ask yourself the question, okay, where am I at? Where have I been? And where am I going? You need to look at your life and really see yourself as God sees you. Number three, you need to ask. Stand, look, ask. Two times he says ask. Look at verse 16. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. I've also figured out that my seeing problem isn't just with my refrigerator at the house. I take it with me when I'm sent to the grocery store. <laughs> Angie sends me after something. You know, you would think after 35 years, she would stop doing that. <laughs> Don't leave me hanging out here, guys. Here's the difference between my wife and myself. She can walk into a grocery store, walk down every aisle for the first time, new grocery store, walk down every aisle, and when she exits, she has memorized that store. She knows where everything is. I've been going in the same store for 20 plus years, you know? So she calls me up and says, honey, I need you to stop by the store and pick something up for me. <laughs> okay. I'll try. That's what I say. I'll try. And she asked for this strange ingredient that I've never heard of. And I'm not even for sure it's real. Okay? Go ahead and say it. Cheese. <laughs> that was impromptu at the first service, and it was really funny. There are a lot of kinds of cheeses. <laughs> and so here I am in this store with this ingredient I've never heard of. Have no idea where it's at. Now the smart thing would to be to stop and ask the first person you see who works there, where is this thing? But do I do that? No. No. I walk up and down every aisle. 
And because I have a problem looking and not seeing, I may walk by the thing four times and never find it. And after 30 minutes of my valuable time being lost, I do finally stop and ask a guy (laughs) who works at the store where this thing is. Is that just me? Guys, is that just me? You'd think they'd learn. But anyway, what does he say to ask for? The ancient paths. The good way. You know what that means? That means that we are to ask and seek God in his word. Now, you're probably wondering, what are those ancient paths that he's talking about? Many people today would look at what's happening in our nation and even in the church and and their solution would be, let's go back to the good old days. And usually what they're thinking when they say the good old days is about 50 or 60 years ago. Because 50 years ago we really weren't dealing with the same kind of problems in our society that we're dealing with today today. And the church was strong and America was strong. But you know what? That is not what God is talking about. The ancient paths of the Lord refers to the eternal and timeless and everlasting paths of the Word of God that the faithful saints through the ages have walked. These ancient paths of the Lord do not change. What we're talking about here today are the timeless values that God has revealed in his word and they apply to every generation, every nation, every culture, every race, and every age. Really what he's talking about is a way of holiness. We are to walk a life of holiness. That brings us to number four. You ask for direction And then you walk that way. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. And then walk in it. You see, church, it's not enough just to stand and look and ask. You have to make a decision that you're going to walk in the right direction. And you must walk in that way. You need to walk in the good way. If you've been in church any length of time, you've heard the phrase, you need to talk the talk and walk the walk. It's a reference to the lifestyle of the believer. We are to flesh out, that is, live out the lifestyle that we say we believe. So if we say we are a born-again Christian, we are to walk that lifestyle. We are to walk the way of holiness. And I know it's a difficult road. I know it's a narrow path, but it leads to everlasting life. And even though this world doesn't agree or approve It is the life we have been called to walk. And so, Christian, I would encourage you to walk the walk. Walk the direction God has called you to walk. And that brings us to the fifth command. It's rest. Boy, looks looks like some of y'all need rest this afternoon, all right? Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And then you will find rest for your souls. As Americans, we're constantly clamoring for more physical rest. 
because most of us feel out, feel worn out most of the time. Are, are you with me? How many of you are tired most every day? All right, that right there. We think that what we need is a longer vacation or a more comfortable life. But then when we get those things, we're still troubled in our soul. Because what we don't realize is that the greatest rest that we need is really a rest of our soul. Our soul needs to rest. And there are a lot of people who have never had peace in their heart. It was Augustine who said in his confessions of the Lord, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. Chew on that a little bit. And as long as we're on the wrong path in life, As long as we have turned our backs to God rather than our faces, there will be no rest. We will constantly be striving and wavering and restless. But I'm here to tell you there is a peace, a serenity, a rest for your soul that only God can give. The New Testament calls it the peace that passes all understanding. And you can never have that peace of heart until you make peace with God. Something that amazed me this week as I've studied Jeremiah 6.16 is that Jeremiah 6.16 is really the gospel in Old Testament form. Really think about it. It's just the gospel. This crossroads that God is talking about in Jeremiah 6.16, this crossroads is the crossroad. It really is the way of the cross. Listen to me, church. Jesus is the ancient path. Jesus is the good way. What did Jesus say about himself? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can enter heaven except through me. I've got to tell you, Russell Vaught was right. Jesus is the only way. He can bring you peace of heart, peace of mind, and he can bring rest to your soul. But sadly, in Jeremiah's day, the people ignored that good word. Jeremiah 6.16 at the end says... But you said, it's God talking to me, but you said, this is what you said, my chosen people. Here's what you said. We're not going to walk in it. (laughs) We, We know it's your word. We know it's your way. We know what you've said in the Bible, but we're not going to listen to it. We're going to ignore it. Today, all the world signs are pointing in the wrong direction. They're pointing down the wrong road. And people are listening to that. People all around us are going the wrong way. One of the most pivotal battles of World War II was the Battle of the Bulge. There was a group of German soldiers who pulled off this this huge deception. They dressed like American soldiers and they drove American military vehicles all through the German countryside. And when they came to a crossroad, they would change the signs. 
so it would mess up the Americans and they would turn the wrong way. It would have had devastating effects on the outcome of the war, but the Americans finally figured it out that the Germans were deceiving them. Church, let me tell you, there is an enemy that is after your heart and soul. There is a real enemy of our soul. And what he is doing is changing all the signs at all the crossroads in life. And there are many people today who are being led astray. Church, Christians, believers, we must be the ones who faithfully stand at those crossroads and point others in the direction of the eternal path, of the good road, of the way of salvation. We need to be the ones who are walking in the good path and leading others down the right road. Amen? There, there's a campaign being pushed today, and I, I, I like it. I believe in it. Let's, let's make America great again. I'm all for that, aren't you? I mean, let, let's, do, let's make... America was great. It was established on the Word of God. But we've allowed sin and corruption into our world. We've turned our face against God. We've turned our back to God. And, and we're going to pay for it. We're going to pay for it. So I've been asking myself all week, how can I make America great again? And, and, and you know what? I, I like some of our president's ideals, but I got a few other ideals I'd like to throw in the, in the fight. Let's do our part by walking down the right road. Let's do our part by standing up for what is true. Let's do our part by sharing the good news in love. There's a big difference there. We are to share the good news in what? Love. God loves the people of the world. God doesn't want any to perish, but all come to everlasting life. And yes, there is only one way to salvation. We need to share that way in love and in truth. America can be great again. But it's going to happen one person at a time. And it's got to start with you. So let's start that.